I believe if we're more in tune with even our childlike self, that was yeah. showing me who I was. I walked away from that in life and I've come back to that. And so that's what I say. I think it's like, to, your, to answer your question, I'm getting back to my childlike self. That's what I'm doing. I love that you said that. And I think that should be a goal for everybody because what I found in, in the research, I call it research, but most people call this just a podcast, yeah. is that with that question of authenticity, what I found is that people feel like they're most authentic self when they are rebelling against what they've been told their entire lives not to be. Let's jump into that buzzword that is authenticity, right? You probably hear it all the time. Yet what I've found in these like 140 plus interviews is that no one has said the same thing as far as like what it means to them. So for you, when you hear the word, what, what, do you, what does it mean to you? It means connecting to like who I was as a child, who I was meant to be. And I'm a very spiritual person. So for me, I think that who we are as we were born, that's what we were meant to be. I think we figure out in life that we're supposed to change all that. And we add all this junk to ourselves and distort our authenticity. I am who I am. I've always been who I am as a little girl. And that's just, that's never going to leave me. That's my authentic self. So how do you think your family would describe young Giselita? <laughs> if you ask my family, they would say, <laughs> Picara, which maybe to other people, I guess if I translate that in another way, maybe like devious, mischievous. You always had to keep your eye open. If I was too quiet, you had to go find me because I was, I was that kid. <laughs> what would you be doing though? All the things I would go break things apart. Like I would find a remote control, a phone, guess that you're any kind of like electrical thing in my house, break it apart, try to MacGyver that mess. You remember MacGyver? <laughs> that I would try to like make a bomb out of it or tap into a conversation that my mom is having on the phone, which I was successful once, by the way, with a walkie talkie. I listened to her phone call. I was maneuvering stuff. Huh? But, Exactly. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Wait, or so they all you called you metida también. Metida. All, all the things that you can think of, you have to keep your eye on Giselle because it was going to be a mess. It was going to be... <laughs> I was up to something. <laughs> That's so funny. So how do you think... Like, did that part of you ever go away after enough people told you, like, yo, can you stop that? I think with time, especially like in school and all of that, and I learned to become kind of like this, what society expects you to be kind of thing. But in reality, I've always been like inquisitive and rebellious. And still to this day, I carry that with me in everything I do in work, especially. And it comes out in its different ways, even though I have a very like corporate job. But I'm still picara. I am still a little mischievous. And now I use it for good, though, not just to get in trouble and break things in my house. Well, what do you think society wanted you to be? Real talk. I think society wanted me to conform into this ideal of what it means to be a proper person of color in the United mm -hmm. States. And what does that look like? And carry yourself a certain way, speak polished. I get a lot of people who tell me, even till this day, and I had it growing up too as a child, like you speak so well, you're very articulate. You're, I'm like, <laughs> I know what you're really trying to say. You think that there's a standard of professionalism or what really often tends to be this homogenous white or Caucasian culture. And you're thinking that's what everyone needs to sound like. Like, what if, what if you detected an accent or what if I do use certain words? And so sometimes now I've been more lax in how I speak and how I do things because I'm like, I gotta be me. 
And me is, and honestly, I'm dyslexic. I have problems with words in real life. Mm. Like I have problems with reading comprehension and spelling oh and using the proper grammar. Like this is real. So like not everything always comes out all polished. That's not my authentic self. My authentic self is I make mistakes when I speak sometimes. I am not always polished. I'm, I come sometimes it's Spanglish that comes out of my mouth and I will catch up with that. And, and nowadays I tell people, this is me. I'm dyslexic. I'm Latina. This is me. And this is how I am. I am. It is what it is. Right. So it was funny. I, for a long time, took the you're well spoken as a compliment right. because I don't know how else this is. But like, I know people that are not well spoken. We're like, I right. can't understand what you're saying. So right. I was always like, thank you. <laughs> so nice of you yeah like i i strived almost to like get that compliment yes. right until i noticed that it was a bit of um, a backhanded compliment yes until i realized oh there's like a there's a higher pitch when you say that there's like mm -hmm. a different tone of so a sense of like surprise and that's when i had yes. to realize like oh you're you didn't expect me to do this right there you go. Well said. You put that well, very well. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. It's like, oh, and then that, oh, sense of surprise. I noticed in my lifetime that people opened doors for me of opportunity, even as I was a little kid, because I was, we were the only like Latino family in my neighborhood in the ghetto. And I was raised in, in, in Tampa, Florida. And we were literally in a house that was across the streets, basically from crack houses and prostitutes and kind of around the corner were public housing projects, right? And all of that. So the people who I went to school with were all, there was a lot of African-American people. We had some Mexican families. We had some people, but like the Afro-Latinos, <laughs> it was our house. We smelled like arro and habichuela and platanos when you open the door to my house. That's what you would smell like when I come home from school. And the bus driver would come in on that. She said, y'all smell like red, yellow rice and plenty? <laughs> So I say that to say when I would go to school because they would send us to very far away schools to set to integrate the schools, right? With this black population of people and, and more because it was very homogenous in those other kind of affluent neighborhoods. They would send us there and the teachers and everyone who would get to know me, oh, you are well spoken. Why? Because they were picking me out of the rest of the group. And now I understand that opportunities came to me. I was eventually allowed into gifted programs and So they were almost that. like they were almost comparing you to your classmates in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And like putting you kind of like on this upper tier, if you will, just because of how you speak. Eventually. But then the other side of that is being a Latina, my parents came here as immigrants and they understood that we had to be different. You have to speak a certain way. You all have to, you have to go get your education. You have to become a professional. So I was raised with that notion as so many of us are. So I was raised with like, be the best, polish your speaking, show up a certain way, look this way. My mother was very keen on like, she came from poverty and so did my father in Santo Domingo. And they're like, you do not get out of this house with holes in your clothing, with stains on your clothing, Yes, we don't have a lot of money, but you're not going to look like that, right? Mm -hmm. And whereas others would probably show up to school in that way because they probably had their moms maybe working the night shift somewhere or, or doing things that couldn't take care of their kids in that way mm -hmm. or maybe didn't have that notion that my parents did because they were immigrants. 
So yeah. all that pressure, it kind of sucks away your authenticity. All of that mm -hmm. expectation, all of that, you're supposed to be some kind of way. And I lost my authenticity for a minute in when, my life. And I had to relearn that. At what point do you think you, you started losing it? Was, you, was it you think those early ages of just like starting to go to school in these integrated environments? When I started to, it was not at the beginning, but it was more like when they started to give me opportunities. When I started to mm -hmm. see myself as the other, as the only, because I would be in this room with, and it was awesome. I'm so glad that I was able to get into gifted classes and later honors and later the international baccalaureate program where I graduated like with college credit before I went to, to college. But you are often the only in these spaces. And it has carried into my adult life where I am the only in a lot of the things that I do even now. So you, I think I started losing it around there. When you start to look around, you're like, oh, I have to like be a certain way because that helps you to gain opportunities. It helps you advance and it helps people to see you a certain way. It's kind of like the more opportunities you get and the higher up you get, the further away you get from like your, your neighborhood, your culture, those kind of things. Yes, you can. Even, you can. Even it's from... not a rule, but you can. Yeah. And I've decided intentionally to not lose that part of me, to, to lead with it now. And that's where I am now. It took me a while to like get back to me, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell me about like even when you started thinking about like different career paths, like how much autonomy do you think you had to figure that out yourself versus your family already had expectations of what you were going to study and do? Yeah. The cool thing about my family is it was a little split. So my mom had a chance to get a little more education in Dominican Republic. My dad had to end school, like, I don't know, second or third grade to go be wash. How do you say that? Mm. In English? Like uh, cleaning I mean, shoes. Boop. Yeah. Right. Shoe like polisher. a shoe shining kid or something. Right. And so that's what he did. And he would go. So my father's idea was you got to go become a lawyer or he's like, study finance yourself. He always wanted me to do finance. And he would call me, go study finance. And he's like, go do that. And my mom was more like, do whatever you think is the best thing for you to do. Right. Do whatever you think is right. So my family was also very entrepreneurial and it was because they were immigrants and they had to basically figure it out when they got here. Right. They started in the States picking like agricultural things along with the other like Mexican and South American farmers who were in, in Florida and Texas. And that's what they were doing, picking those things and having pesticides in their face. <laughs> and so I saw them eventually build their own business and be really successful. And I learned even in college, I have, I started a business of my own. It failed, but they trusted me. They gave me some seed money to do my own thing at that time. Like they really were like, we believe in you. So I didn't have pressure of, I have to go do this for a career. What was that business that you started? It was a staffing company. So I've always had this interest in like, how do you help people get cool opportunities for work? And how do you help people learn better? And that has carried with me even to what I do now. But it started there that I was trying to get people job opportunities and teach them how to kind of like be able that even if you have a criminal background or even if you're you just came into the country or whatever this is, like, how do you present yourself in a way where you learn skills and you can get a job? And so that's what I did. I, that failed with time. <laughs> I lost my first business thing and I learned from it a lot. In that time, but you were also going to school, though, right? Like that was kind of yeah. like within some of those years. Yeah, college. Um, I wonder, like from your parents point of view, I'm sure they were like excited. Oh, my gosh, she's starting a whole business. But at the same time, I wonder if they thought this is kind of deviating from the ultimate goal of like getting a degree. 
You know what I mean? Mm. I wonder if they were like, yeah, like how do you think you were received in that endeavor? Yeah, I think, you know what? The funny thing, the I did it with a smart approach, I would say, because I did it within the degree. So I had to take mm. a capstone class and that capstone class was about like um, building your own business plan idea. And what I did is I actually did the class, but I actually launched the business. <laughs> like i'm gonna use this for like this free resource i'm gonna use this class build my own business for real and launch it and that's what i did yeah. interesting very cool very cool all right so take me to your like let's fast forward a little bit to like your first quote-unquote corporate job what was that first day swag looking like how did you show up you know what i think i used to show up there was a point where i showed up first more like myself in fact i would get a lot of people be like ah you always looking cute in the office like you're always like you always have such cool style I was, you know that would be that over time when I started to see that I didn't that I wasn't like getting promoted that I wasn't getting the opportunities that other people would get and I knew the amount of potential that I had so I was like what's holding me back and I think that subconsciously I told myself that I have to kind of like fit in a little bit more you know and so I started like, I was very colorful in my attire before. I always had patterns, always had the things going. You would find me with all the things, right? And then all of a sudden I, I became to let go of that. And I was very monochromatic. We're a lot of black and white. I would like just do a lot. And I was just trying to like put my head down and maybe be whatever I was seeing around me. Like if, if that's the standard, let me follow that. And it wasn't until a few years later and more recently where I'm like, like I have one life to live here and I need to make sure that I show up as myself because I'm on, that's something that you're going to be unhappy with. If you look at yourself and you're, and where was I, where did I show up? What did I do? Where was me? And all the things that you can point back and like applaud, say Giselle did, but where was I in that? And so I've had to have like just kind of this confrontational moment with myself. And that's even been reflected in how I show up even physically now. So that swag was cool at the beginning. It dipped at some point and it's back. She back. <laughs> she back. What was that unhappy moment that you're alluding to? Yeah, a lot of things. I think, uh, I think it's rejection. A lot of rejection. A lot of like being overlooked. When you know good and well that you are worth a certain amount of pay, you're worth a position, you're worth this, you've been doing so much for a company and they're not recognizing that. And you're like, well, what is this? Like, what more do I have to do? And so that was that kind of frustration in the workplace. And then I think also just personal things that were happening around in life that taught me what life was more about, what matters, reconnecting with my culture, my, my history, like having all of that stuff happen. And then truly, this is a, another point. I was not brought up learning about like American history the way that now you hear about it more. Like, I think mm. I was so insulated in my little Latino home in the middle of what was happening. We had a little world amongst another world, right? Like I was in the middle, like I told you, of this kind of impoverished community, lots of different people from different cultures that were not mine. And I get home and it's little Dominican Republic. <laughs> and it's, we're eating mango, like it's all thing. It's, we're watching Sabado Gigante on Saturdays, we were watching all the things while I didn't have this notion and understanding of civil rights, what was what was the struggle of people of other people of color like myself and what they were going through in the United States. So 
when I started to open my eyes and realize the history, even of this country, of the United States, and start to realize kind of more things, it all started to shift how I saw myself. All leading up to recently with the George Floyd thing. Like, I don't know about you as a person of color, but me as a person of color, for probably for the first time in a grand scale, I felt the color of my skin for the first time. Like, I didn't feel Wait, that before. But, but it's, in, but I don't know. That's just like, not, not that it's hard for me to believe, but it's hard for me to like understand because that, that was fairly recently. And then before yeah. that, you've been in these predominantly white, whether it be academic institutions, corporate institutions. Like, why don't you think you felt, as you said, the color of your skin before that, George Floyd? Hmm. Were you just like because choosing was... to ignore it? I don't know. Yeah. I knew it, so, but I didn't feel it, right? I knew it. I knew that sometimes I would walk into a store and be followed because of that, or people would come up with like, oh, you do speak very polished, like what we talked about. I knew all of that, but I never had fear. I never felt fear associated to thinking, you know what, I could walk down the street. I can be driving my car and be pulled over by someone and end up like what I was just noticing that happened or what I just witnessed that happened to this man who his life was taken away from him in this way. And also then seeing the massive amount of social feedback and like reaction that was coming from that, even more racism, even more things kind of popping up, you feel the, the color of your skin. If that's, it doesn't make sense because it almost sounds like synesthesia. It almost sounds like tasting color <laughs> sound. It sounds weird. But I can only express it that way. I knew. I've always known. Just so I'm a person of color. I'm a Latina. This is, as a little girl, I've known it. But to feel it? Well, one thing, at least in my experience, that I think changed was George Floyd forced people to talk about it at work. Mm. Where there would be... I was at Facebook for four years, just as an example. And unfortunately, there would be a lot of unarmed black men that would get murdered. Unfortunately, I would never hear anything about it. Like there was never mm -hmm. a like, let's pause the meeting or like, mm. let's take five minutes at the beginning of the meeting or, hey, how is everyone feeling? Or an influx in investment going into specific ERGs, right? Yeah. Everything changed when George Floyd yes. happened where people literally dedicated days to like, just lend an ear to what situations were. Like even managers I felt were forced to talk about these and hold space for these uncomfortable conversations. Yeah. So in many you know ways, what? yeah, well, go for it. Why do you think? To me, people now were traumatized, especially people of color. So kind of what I'm talking about that happened to me, it was like yeah. a trauma. It was like, I'm seeing someone like me who looks like yeah. me, right? In the color that I inhabit their life being taken away from them. And I was not the only one to see this. So many people for the first time saw it. And that was the difference. That before all these other unarmed black people and even people of color in general that have had their lives taken from them and done, it's like you hear about it, you hear the account. He said, she said there was not really, or they said or whatever. You hear all these different things, but you never saw it for yourself. And all of a sudden people see it. And that stays in people's conscious, right? And now you have to, talk about it you have to address the trauma that is inflicted in other people so i think that's what happened yeah i don't know why but it made me think of my mom so i have i've had a bunch of work conversations with my mom 
and she like refuses to admit that anything has ever happened to her like racism wise mm. anything i'm like mom you told me no one's ever made fun of your like, accent no. <laughs> yeah, yeah i'm like but she just plays it off it's like oh it's not a big deal it was mm. just haha we were joking around blah blah and i think the george floyd incident as visual as it was it almost gave people permission to start opening up about their own things even oh, if yeah. it was they used to consider it like a small thing it just gave them permission to start opening up about some of those things mm -hmm. yeah i agree i think the spanish perception the latino perception especially also if you're la if you are like afro latino yeah when you try to distance yourself and maybe that's what happened in my household perhaps it was like we are the latinos they this is the other outside mm. be sure to carry this dominican identity with you wherever you go the problem is, and then there's this, there's also this conflict with our parents that a lot of them did not come from these states. They came from somewhere else. My parents lived through La Guerra Civil, the Civil War in the Dominican Republic. So they saw what was happening. They saw, they heard in Trujillo dictatorships and all of that. They understood that where they came from was worse than in their perception, what we have to deal with as people of color here. And mm -hmm. so... They're like, well, that's nothing. That's, I mean, just deal with it. They're just playing around. But just mm -hmm. carry yourself a certain way and they won't bother you. Carry yourself, speak a certain way, and you will shine. You will be given opportunities. And I don't discount, I don't hold it against my parents at all for those things. It mm -hmm. opened the door for me for opportunities to where I am even today. But there's a reality that our parents have to confront. And it is, but hey, when I'm walking down the street, nobody's asking, are you Dominican? It's, <laughs> you're black. That's what yeah. they see. Yeah. Well, it sounds like the George Floyd incident, was that the moment where you were just like, it, I'm going to go back to. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I think that was definitely the moment. And you know what? It's a little bit sad to say and to admit it took me that long. And even in my siblings, like especially my sister, I'm the youngest. And my sister's like, she would always tell me stuff like over the years, like just so. Like try to like tell me like get it together Rem like that's find your true self of who you are and by the way if anybody's listening to this and you know me you might be like but I didn't ever witness that about yourself think again think about what I presented or what I would show and now compare what now I'm more authentic now than ever before and yes also they were they were calling you out on it like yeah, your family my sister called me out my sister called me out <laughs> do you remember a specific moment that you were doing something or like were you wearing something like what was it. Because my sister calls me out a lot. I think it's I think it's also about stuff like you don't know just so that this happened in the United States. That would happen a lot. My sister would be like, How do you not know? And even popular culture stuff, how do you not know who sung this or who did that or that this was the author of that or the the activist of this? Like, how do you not know this stuff? She would tell me. And I because I, I, I drank the Kool-Aid. I don't know. I like I got into this i have to be like this i have to be like that and this is the path to success that i lost touch with reality i guess i lost mm. touch with like educating myself on what's really what's up until it was in my face with the george floyd thing in a very big way i was heading in that direction to wake up to like realize things but i'll never be the same again after that incident to be honest with you it i'm curious before that incident because i did a thing where i would literally binge watch like shows that I didn't care about, like Riverdale, just to be able to fit in to work conversations, right? Riverdale, 
I didn't go that far. I did not. I, I don't know either way. I don't know about the homogenous stuff. I don't know about the underrepresented group stuff. I just was like, did it, did it succeed? <laughs> you didn't you did go that deep? Nah, I didn't It was go just that more deep. so about appearance? I think it was more so like, I have a goal. I have a goal. This goal is to succeed. And the success mark, the finish line is over here in front of me. And the way to get there is to be like this. And so to me, it wasn't an intentional, I'm going to be ignorant. It was like, I have a goal. I, I got to be successful in life. I have to help my parents because they helped me so much. They sacrificed. They, I have to show something. And there's a risk in that too. There's a risk in losing yourself just because you're just trying so hard to achieve. And yeah, yeah at a rude awakening. So when the George Floyd incident did happen, you started trying to be more of your authentic self, like in what ways did you start to unravel that? Because I often think that it doesn't happen all at the same time. We start like yeah. showing a little piece like, oh, how are they going to react? Oh, cool. All right, cool. And then you keep going yeah. and going until, yeah. My talk track changed that it even changed my career, right? Um, the role that I have right now in my corporate job never existed. It was created. And I actually helped to create a business plan to create the role that I have, which is all about creating inclusive technology. So really thinking about all types of people. Before, I used to talk about technology. I used to talk about artificial intelligence, machine learning, automation, like all these things, data analytics. I used to talk about it. And I used to like share with CIOs, CHROs, like all these people in executive positions and even practitioners, like this is why you should be moving in this direction. But then when with that happened, I was like, what am I doing? I'm just telling people how to make more money and be more efficient at the end of the day. I was like, you know what? I'm going to use the same platform and change my talk track. And now the talk track is use these tools in an inclusive way and use them it, not only with inclusion in the design, but use them on purpose towards being more inclusive of other people. And that has led me into a whole nother path, right? And actually like a groundbreaking path that doesn't exist in a lot of companies. So it's affected me that much where it changed the course of my career. But one thing is having the idea and another thing is like having the guts to be like, mm -hmm. this is what I believe we should do. Like talk to me yeah. about the anxieties, the self-doubt and then ending up going for it. Like what, what was that thought process like? It took two years for me to develop that business plan while I was working my day job, like my regular job. So it's like, I felt like I had two different jobs because at the same time that I was doing the regular stuff, I had to like convince people. I had to connect with the right people and I had to build the idea and the, of what this would look like and how it would benefit the company and our clients. And so over that time of two years, I had time to build that self-confidence, to build my talk track, to learn about what matters to different people. And I've learned a lot, like not only did the George Floyd thing have me focused on like what it means to be black in America, but also what it means to be a person of color. What it, what, what happens with people with disabilities around the world? What happens with people of different gender identities and sexual orientations? What's happening? So now I'm more aware of what's happening. You can ask me what's going on in Turkey, Giselle, right now. I'm going to be able to tell you what's going on. I'm going to be able to tell you what, how to, where does this whole concept of gender identity come from? I could tell you in, in our indigenous cultures, some of our cultures have had this identity for thousands of years, many generations. It's not new that people go by, for example, a gender identity outside of what's binary, right? Man and woman. Musa's in Mexico. 
are have existed for generations. They are a, a different kind of middle ground of people that we would call now non-binary, right? But it led me onto this, like, my brain has exploded, all right? It's been open. <laughs> my eyes are open. My brain is open. My heart is open. And uh, my life has changed a lot. Wow. Like, I would feel so much pressure because this idea of, like, in many ways representing more than just you, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Like, you are trying to build inclusivity amongst the portfolio of products within the company. Yes. And in many ways, like, you know how many different groups there are? <laughs> I mean, I know. It's a lot of work. And it's not just me, though. I depend yeah, on people. because I don't have all the answers. I'm over here still trying to learn my own history. You know That's what I'm saying? saying. Like, I don't know. <laughs> we just started that conversation around, like, the loss of identity. And now you... <laughs> Look at like what your work has, has meant now. Real talk. See, that goes to show you that it's not, you don't have to have all the answers to everything, but do you have an open mind at least to go down a journey and that open mind will lead you to seek out experts and lead you to sit down and talk to people in those local places and learn from them, right? What is your experience, a uh, person of a certain culture? I don't know it. So please teach me. And once I know that, I'll be able to use what I do know, which is how to develop and design technology and how to do different. And then I'll be able to make it happen. But yeah, it's so interesting. The journey of self-discovery keeps going for me. I'm still opening my eyes every day. And I'm going to even share with you, this is very personal, but whatever, we're here. We're here now. Okay. <laughs> so part of this journey of self-discovery has not only reflected in how I show up, but where I, what I spend my time investigating, but also like who I will entertain in my life. I used to be always all over the place, traveling a lot, my very social butterfly, like all the things. And now I guess even with age, like I'm like, sit down, like sit down, read a book, <laughs> like sit down, watch a documentary, like learn about something. It also, I was engaged to be married and I started to notice certain things that were not in alignment with my spirit, with me. And I had to let it go. And I was so excited to embark on this new journey and this new life, but I let it go. My father that I told you about passed away of cancer, unfortunately, like a couple mm -hmm. years ago. So kind of all at the same time that about the George Floyd thing, mm -hmm. I was going through a change in a relationship. My father passes away, like a lot was happening. It wasn't just one thing. And that all led to me just kind of having like a, an awareness change of my perception in the world. You, you said uh, awareness and also like self-discovery and like how that self-discovery continues to go. But like, how do you discover yourself? I believe it's the first question you asked about like authenticity. And I said that it's about like being your childlike self. Who I was as a kid was fearless, was funny. Picara, I told you I was mischievous. Like... I didn't, I was very bold. So actually, if you ask my family too, the other second word outside of mischievous, they were going to say that I was very bold. I didn't care to get up in front of the large audiences of people and sing or do something or say what, speak my mind or say something that I even felt because I was a very intuitive, maybe empathic child. So I would even tell my parents sometimes like, I don't, I feel that you, we shouldn't go there. I don't think we should go there. Bang, uh, little person. <laughs> Over here saying, telling my big old parents what to do. And my father would get upset. And you know what? We would hear later on that there was a car accident that happened. The pathway that we were going to go down 
So that's why I told you I'm a very spiritual person as well. I believe if we're more in tune with even our childlike self, that was yeah. showing me who I was. I walked yeah. away from that in life and I've come back to that. And so that's what I say. I think it's like, to, your, to answer your question, I'm getting back to my childlike self. That's what I'm doing. I love that you said that. And I think that should be a goal for everybody because what I found in, in the research, I call it research, but most people call this just a podcast, yeah. is that with that question of authenticity, what I found is that people feel like they're most authentic self when they are rebelling against what they've been told their entire lives not to be. Interesting. Right? So funny example, you're in kindergarten and they're like, yo, Giselle, amazing student, but she talks too much. What do your parents say? Shut the up. Focus on your work. Right? <laughs> Pretty much. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Meanwhile, you're just this extroverted relationship building, yeah. outspoken kid. So you've gone your whole life very quiet, submissive, not wanting to raise your hand. You feel like you're most authentic self when you're able to be that person. Yes. Yeah. And it's interesting, this idea of going back to that childlike version, right? Some of those words, I think a lot of those words, depending on how you look at it, could either be positive or negative. Mm, okay. Bold, for example, right? Yeah. I think that's a positive, right? We should all strive to be that. That said, I don't think we're always received that same way. How do you mm -hmm. think your authenticity has been received in corporate settings? Mm, really like, good. Wow. You're very wise, man. You come up with some little things out here because it's true. So yeah. I think that it's our often, authenticity needs training. So you can't just walk around being your child self in a world in which you need to be an adult. So take the purity of that child self, train it, because sometimes it's out of control. Like I told you, like I was a little picada. You can't be picada all the time and just say whatever comes to your mind and, and spit out whatever, because you have to have a little bit of like emotional awareness of other people and know how to say something in a way that's not gonna hurt someone's feelings. Kids will be like, you stink. Oh my God, no filter, yeah. <laughs> but like an adult could probably be like, you know what, I'm gonna help this person. I'm gonna tell them, they don't smell too good right now because we're about to get in front of this meeting or they're about to meet their boot thing. I don't know, whatever. And I need to tell them, but I'm going to say it in a way that is with love and with tact. And so I think my Wait, authenticity. You, you, yeah. It was so funny. I was just talking to, to a chef recently and he said that he has his, his kids taste test meals because they're going to always keep it 100 with him. They'll be like, oh, dad, this you need some more salt. Yeah. You need some more. These be like, oh, tato. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. go for it. Sorry. That's a good one. <laughs> Yeah, ask the kids. They're going to tell you. Keep the kids real. My authenticity today is met with these kind of reactions because I've worked on it. So people will say things like, you make us feel, you make us feel approachable and safe, even with topics that are very hard to approach. Like you're talking about all this stuff about inclusion, Giselle, and you're talking about all these different things. And for some reason, when you talk about it with us, we feel that it's so approachable. Right. So they don't feel weird about it. I don't make people feel uncomfortable or, or don't ask a question. or you are going to say the wrong thing? And we're going to have the hard conversation, but we're going to have the conversation and you're welcome to bring whatever you have to say in the midst of it. But it's to, it, it takes finessing or people often will say to me, like, you know what, Giselle, because after I heard you speak at this thing, now I'm over here and I present myself in this way, even physically, like I'm using my big curly hair or I'm doing whatever, like people get more inspired to be themselves around me and it's just interesting because like the truth is i'm still in my own journey but i guess yeah. even what i've done thus far 
finessing that authentic self is working to the point where it's helping other people. When do you think it's been met with resistance? When people have other opinions than what I am showing. So when I come and say, let's open the table, let's talk, let's ideate, let's think about these things, let's go there. When somebody doesn't want to go there because their political view or maybe they're unbiased or whatever they got going on, if they don't want it, they'll resist as soon as they even get a whiff of that I'm trying to talk about inclusion or I'm trying to open it. You know what I mean? That's where I see that it gets met with a little resistance. And the other thing on a personal level, like just even with friends or other contexts that I have, even relate past romantic relationships or whatever, it's been more like if they don't feel that they're ready to go there with themselves, then they want to make me feel uncomfortable about how open I'm being or how I'm presenting, right? It's like, do you have to be that way? Do you have to bring those t- kind of topics up? Like, like trying to, cause they don't feel comfortable with themselves. It's like, yes, I do, but I gotta bring that up. But if you don't feel comfortable, that's a problem with you. <laughs> but that goes back to just like your, your curiosity wanting to just like explore things with people. Yeah. One thing that I've noticed throughout this whole conversation, you say the word feel a lot mm-hmm. and like you say, I, I feel, that. or they say that they feel and I think it's so powerful because it brings me back to his memory again at Facebook where my manager was like, and I wasn't offended by this. He was just like real. He's like, Pavel, I'm never, well, he didn't say Pavel. He's like, Pavel, I'm never going to understand what it's like to be a black man in tech. Like, I'm just never going to do that. Right. Cause I think I often spent so much time trying to illustrate or demonstrate or trying to show what my experience was like until I realized that the most powerful thing that I could have done for him is communicated through feelings. Cause mm. at some point we've all felt unheard undervalued on whatever but feeling like a black man like how do you feel that unless you i don't know (laughs) no one's ever gonna understand that so i love the way that either you're talking about your own experience you're talking about other people's experience you're always doing it through that lens i just think it's really interesting you know that even trees feel like nature feels and we think in terms of like logic so much that we dis- disattach from like us what well, we are feeling beings like we do um trees will be able to like communicate with each other through what's i'm gonna get real geeky for just a quick second my this is me i'm geeky so like trees have this like root system underneath it that communicates with each other it's called mycelium and so those things like if a tree gets hacked at there's literally they have found in science that the trees will be able to like send out signals to that network and let the other trees know, ouch, basically, ow, I just got attacked with an ax or something's happening or there's an invader coming here. There's some sort of danger coming. They feel in that way and they communicate. So yeah, what does it feel like to be black? Ah, Or or how do you feel black? There's not really a black, a color is not associated to, your pigment is not associated to a feeling, but what comes behind that is, it's to the othering. Right. The I have to not be afraid because there's a history that is attached to this color or there's this or that. And by the way, they've also done research about exclusion. Mm -hmm. They have found that to feel excluded gives you a physical like there's a registry in your body and in your brain that feels something when you feel excluded. It's actually like a physical pain that happens to people. So, yeah, a lot of concepts have feelings to them. Yeah. And I, and I think those are, are much more relatable to like, despite any background, communicating yeah, right. some of those feelings. 
anyway, I know that we're almost over time. So I'll ask you this final question. You said yeah. this a few times, but like you're not done with your journey as no one is. Right. But what's the no. one thing that continues to inspire you and empower you to continue being your most authentic self? The thing that inspires me to be my authentic self, I guess it's this desire to get back to me. It's this desire to find out how much more can I do? And I know I haven't, I haven't reached it yet. I know that there's much more potential in me and I'm curious to see what I can evolve into. I'm curious to see like, as I evolve more, what more benefit can I leave on this world? What more can I do impactfully? How can I love better, you know, reach more people? And I think it's that there's more to do. There's more work to be done and I want to see it. Mi gente, that wraps up this week's episode of the Can't Do It As podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please do us a favor. Like, share, comment, wherever you're listening, please leave a rating and review. This just helps ensure that these experiences get heard by as many people as possible. And that's the only way that we're going to redefine professionalism. Thank you. See you next time.